and welcome to the Trash Tapes podcast as part of the Enigmatic Productions Network. If you love bad cinema and incredible deep dives into cult film, then you have come to the right place. So if you like what you hear and want to support us, you can do so by donating some funds to our Buy Me A Coffee website, along with the ACAR supporter feature. All of these can be found in the description below. And now, on with the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I've got a clip, a, a, a startup clip, because as I said, I watched it on VHS. Mm-hmm. And when I booted up, well, I booted up, it's not a computer, Boot. but when I first inserted the tape and started running, guess what played? It was this. Oh, that is old school Warner Brothers. <laughs> you can hear the tape warbling and everything. Is like... <laughs> that is almost the pinnacle sound of my, of my VHS childhood. Warner Home Video. <laughs> You are about to experience trash cinema. And welcome to another episode of The Trash Tapes, where one man's trash is another man's treasure. I am your host, Johan Schiphol, and the inflictor of pain, and I am joined, as usual, by my victim and DJ, Edward Harvey. How are you doing? I'm very well, sir. How are you doing in this strange situation? Oh, oh yeah, just to give guys a little heads up what's happening at the moment, uh, we're not in the same room as we're recording this. Um, I'm in my own isolation station, and Edward's very comfortable on the, ca- on the actual couch that we usually would do this on, while I'm on something entirely different. <laughs> yeah, this is like how a lot of podcasters work, but we're, we're doing this for the first time, aren't we? This is the very first time we're doing this, and I'm not going to lie, this feels so weird. It's always so much better when you are right next to me, so I can just look at your face like, yeah. every single time. Well, we now can still look, your... look at each of the faces, but on a screen. At least the quality of our webcams aren't terrible. It's not like we're, we're doing this on a potato. No. So at least we can see each other's faces while we're doing this. Um, but it also does mean that hopefully if all this turns out great and and this is doing all right, that this might be another avenue to do once in a while to do additional podcasts and, and reviews and stuff like that from here as for, for the foreseeable future. So you uh, will still be able to make some content. And so this is, I wouldn't call this the test run, but it kind of feels like if this goes well, maybe there's a whole new way of doing things. Woo! So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm excited. 
because we want a few more episodes don't we like i think once a month is kind because people like it's kind of like getting where they really waiting for the next episode now and it seems like a long time now each month yeah a whole month does take a while i think it's because we usually do it uh a month because i always like being over there because i love to see your face and to react right there and then yeah um it feels more natural by that point anyway we've already had a couple of cheeky ciders yeah this is a sober trash tapes this is, is a, well, a sober in one thing, because I'm actually having energy drink at the minute. I have cough, black coffee. Oh, so this is actually going to be a wired edition yeah. of the trash tapes. We're going to be so buzzed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, it's like I said, it's very different and weird circumstances. But I generally think that hopefully this all goes well. We can create more of this stuff for you guys. And to be honest, to try this one out, I can't wait for this episode to start off because... This is the one that you, Edward, have been demanding me to do for the longest time. This is one of my favourite cult movies. Uh, it's just, I, I think it's because when I, because you know I'm a big fan of like synthwave music. Yeah. Synth, I think, when I think of what inspired synthwave, because mm. like synthwave is kind of like sort of movie inspired, 80s movie inspired music. And yeah. when I think of the aesthetic of synthwave, I think of Cobra. Because it's got the synth music, but it's got the visuals that go with synthwave as well, like the aviator sunglasses, the leather jacket, the car, the souped-up car, all mm. that kind of stuff that is associated with synthwave is 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 like is, is Cobra, and that's it is Cobra. It's just and it's and it's like um, it's a pure VHS movie. It's a movie I, I've got it on VHS, and it should be played on VHS in my opinion. That's how it should be viewed. And you were lucky with that because you have it on VHS. You've seen it on VHS now. I had to, I had to do it. This, I had to do it the digital way and watch this on Amazon Prime, rented for three pounds fifty. Was it worth it? We'll find out now as we review Sylvester Stallone's passion project, Cobra. Yeah. <laughs> Society is breeding a new kind of criminal. It's also breeding a new kind of cop. Meet Cobra. He does the job nobody wants. Did you use unnecessary deadly force? I used everything I had. You think you would recognize me if you saw him again? The tall one? Yeah. The one that wants to kill you. Do what you have to do to get a lead on this maniac. And if I find him, do what you do best. stops and I start Stallone is a cop called Cobra the strong arm of the law a couple of reasons why I think we're, we're I'm kind of glad we're doing Cobra because it covers two categories all in one bundle right yeah first of all this would be our very first sylvester stallone movie yeah which you know it's about time we did we, we we tackled stallone at some point like we really had to i mean we, i love sylvester stallone and i do think that it's about time that we give him a good ribbing and i think this movie's perfect for that yeah i mean there's a few like options for stallone with the trash tapes but this is probably one of the, the best ones to choose yeah, yeah. also 
it's a canon movie. Yeah. So this canon being almost the epitome of low-budget 80s action movies. The canon group were the ones who did all the classically schlocky action movies back in the day, particularly like things like with Chuck Norris and stuff like that. Like, I didn't realise this was canon. This was canon. Yeah. This was done by the canon group. Because oh, I thought it was just Warner Brothers, because Warner Brothers is all over the video cassette I've got. It is. It is done by Warner Brothers. Yeah. But I'll explain why. It's technically a canon movie, but they didn't really promote the fact that it was a canon movie. Ah, interesting. Right. <laughs> for people who have no idea what we're talking about, um, let me just break it down a little bit. Let's go for the history. And a good re- another reason why a good trash tape comes in is because the backstory to the movie is sometimes more fascinating than the movie itself. Yeah, I actually know some of this, but I'll let you go ahead up. Yeah, yeah. Whenever you have a chance, throw something in there. So, yeah. Cobra is a 1986 American action movie directed by George P. Cosmatos, who, Cosmatos, as we know, was the director of Rambo Part 2, right? Right. So, this was basically Stallone going to him and say, you know, go and say, hey, he's like, hey, I'm making, an- I'm making another movie. Do you want to make another movie with me? Hey, you know, kind of thing. That was my, that was the worst Stallone impression. <laughs> Expect more. This movie was also written by Sylvester Stallone, all right, and who's also starring titular role. And it also has a fair few people, including uh, Brian Thompson. Was his, this was his first pro, uh, prominent role because Brian Thompson, uh, he you know one one of the first films before Happy Hook got famous with. He was one of the thugs in Terminator. Yes, yeah. But also Bridget Nielsen. Yeah. Ah, oh, Bridget Nielsen. <laughs> Ah, uh, she's a blast from the past. I know she's. I associate it so much with with the eighties, and that's it. Like uh, uh, nothing else. <laughs> yeah, because all the movies she was really good in, well, we know her from is things like Red Sonia, Cobra, um, and also Beverly Hills Cop Two as well. And she was it. Was she in Rocky Four? Dolph Lundgren's like other half or something. I don't know. Something like that. But it, it, it was weird because I think the reason why they already casted her is because uh, both Dolph Lundgren and Bridget Nielsen had the same haircut. I was convinced. Yeah. That's literally the only reason why. So you two are, it's like you two are blonde and you've got short hair. You are officially both Russians and you're both in a thing now. Go. So... Rocky Four and Cobra have got a very similar kind of like aesthetic, haven't they? Yeah, they do. It feels very much in the same wheelhouse in terms of how certain shots are done, certain angles are done. And I think this kind of starts to show a little bit that this, that, you know, the movies that are very much Stallone and very much been taken over and in charge by Stallone, directed by Stallone or whatever, Mm. right? has a very particular style. So in a weird way, we can even argue that Stallone is an auteur. Well, I remember I'm reading up on this and saying that uh, I think it was a cinematographer that said he thought, even though he had problems with Stallone, like his ego and stuff, he mm. said that um, he, he felt more like Stallone was the real director of Cobra. Exactly. And actually, one of the facts was, was basically that um, the uh, cinematographer, Rick White, or Rick Waite, I believe it is, um, he, it, you know, he, he, was, he used to complain a lot to Stallone, uh, mostly because of how falling behind it was. Uh, Waite responded by telling Stallone that the delays were due to, I love this quote, due to his fooling around with Bridget Nielsen and showing off his bodyguards. 
Yeah, that's so 80s Stallone, that is, isn't it? It's just like, just his ego is obviously massive at that particular time. He was the shit of the walk, right? And, you know, nothing nothing could touch him. Nothing could touch him, right? And this is the thing I want to go into a little bit more, because this movie is definitely a Stallone project. Popular pie plan, picture here. Here's an interesting fact. Let's start right from the beginning. So, originally, uh, this movie um, wasn't originally going to be Cobra. No. Right? This movie was originally the screenplay that he conceived for Beverly Hills Cop because this was originally going to be a Stallone movie. Yes. Yeah. Right. It was, you know, it it went through Paramount and all that. And it said, oh, yeah, we're going to try and do this. Stallone, instead of just going along with the script and doing this, because now he got a bit too big for his britches, basically, um, when he got signed on, he decided to rewrite the script almost entirely. Yeah, he took, right. taking out all the comedy. And turning into an action movie, which he felt better suited him. Which, yeah. But, you know, I think, I think it would have been interesting to see him a bit more comedic because he did try doing that later on. Yeah, it wasn't great. He said, I'm not a comedian. I'm a... I can't do Stallone. Uh, it's like, I'm not a comedian. I'm a man. I'm an action man, right? I mean, he's typecasting himself there, really, because he, he had an opportunity to do something different. And yeah. go, and so he wasn't typecast as just the the sort of serious action guy but he yeah. chose he chose not to go with that route and you know but Beverly's cop as with Eddie Murphy was amazing the thing was that first rewrite of that with Stallone he took it to Paramount Studios they read it and they instantly rejected it citing action scenes that were far beyond what were their projected budget would be in other yeah. words there was so much action <laughs> that Paramount Pictures said no, that's too expensive. Yeah. So Stallone left after that. And then he used all those ideas and put it into Cobra. Yeah. I mean, I, I originally thought that they um, the studio said no because they didn't like what Stallone did with it. But it was just because of the action sequences, wasn't it? They probably would have still gone along with what Stallone wanted if it wasn't yeah. so expensive. Exactly. It was yeah. all basically budget issues. Must covering five and there. After all this, basically, so, he, so basically he went away and wrote Cobra. But he was inspired by a novel called uh, Fair Game, which was written by Paula Gosling, right? Yeah. This is where he cited as the source material. Uh, there, was enough, there was enough of the original source materials that she was credited in the movie, right? Yeah. Now, this was kind of brilliant, what happened here. This is how much of an ego he really thought the script was, how amazing the script was going to be. Because when Cobra came out, Sylvester Stallone allegedly wanted the novel to be reissued with himself, not only on the cover, but to be credited as a co-author of that original book. <laughs> that is some ego, isn't it? I can imagine his his sort of explanation for that would be like, you're going to sell more copies of the book if you got my face on it kind of thing. Yeah, is it not, not just him on the cover, but to him to say he co-wrote the book. The book came out in 1975. The book was already long gone and existed. You're not going to go and suddenly say, oh, yeah, we uh, rid now Sylvester Stallone is now the guy who wrote the book as well. I mean, it's- you... You did see that happen with like books, you know, when a movie came out and it, the book was reissued, like the, the the book cover, for example, would have the same poster as the movie and like, mm. but it, it didn't have this like it, the new, the screenplay writers and stuff on the book. It's just exactly. like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> see, that's the thing that made me go, oh, 
yeah right you know that he this script is such a masterpiece that it needed to be like put in the book form it's it's so dumb and i don't know why he was so proud of it because the script is awful the visual script was very long like it was about two and a half hours long right the script version super violent as well wasn't it humongously so right um cobra needed to have a lot of editing afterwards for the simple fact that it was so graphically violent that the movie got an x rating right uh warner brothers did not like that because they said like well if we have an x rating we're not going to really um be able to show that to a mass audience so they so he demands so the studio then demanded to turn into an r rating Mm. right so the movie was cut down a bit, but the original cut of that was only about like, 10 minutes. So the movie originally was two hours long, but the version we ended up getting was only 90 minutes. Now, <laughs> what I love about that in terms of the edits and the versions is because Top Gun came out around that time, was a smash hit. Stallone and Warner Brothers were worried that Cobra which would premiere the following week, would be overshadowed by Top Gun. So in order to ensure at least one extra screening a day, it was heavily edited to be 90 minutes so they can show the movie more often. Mm. So the reason why the movie is so shoddily edited isn't because of some kind of um, like, oh, you know, narratively it makes sense to cut all this fluff out. No. In fact, a lot of the people said that there is a working cut that's going around circulating by fans. And the two-hour version, even though it's incredibly more violent, the, the narrative story, in air quotes, makes more sense. No, this was all entirely so therefore more people can see Sylvester Stallone's movie, which leads to some really bad pacing issues. Like basically scenes that now suddenly chop quickly from one scene to another or loads of slow motion or a skip ton of continuity edit uh, problems which we will get through eventually oh there's some caucus but they had to extend some bits didn't they because mm. like they, they left some into they had to like get the running time back to a sort of 90 minutes so that you got some scenes that are too unnecessary long like the where he's just, he's cleaning his gun, having pizza and stuff. It's just a really long, pathetic scene. It shouldn't need to be that long, but they needed to pad that bit out. Yeah, I read that there was uh, one scene where someone gets their throat slashed and then the arms, the hands cut off or something. Yeah, really yeah, horrible yeah. stuff. The, that was actually the very first murder. The very first murder that would appear on the screen would be a throat cut and hands being severed, which was definitely overkill. Yeah, but uh, what well, the way I'm thinking of it, you know how RoboCop is like super violent and it, yeah. it gives you like justification for a RoboCop. Mm. Would that be work the same way with Cobra? Because you need someone like Cobra to get rid of these complete horrible maniacs, and and you don't really see enough of the maniacs in the in the final cut, do you? Like doing no. enough nasty stuff to warrant Cobra. Yeah, I, 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 it basically it feels like all the violent stuff was just violence for the sake of it in terms of the original cuts. Because they said, oh, if we make it really, really graphic, then the audience would be like, oh, they're monsters. But um, but the cults and the whole New World Order, New World Day kind of situation, uh, they're just um, 
there's there's no story behind them and it's because it's been heavily edited a lot of the backstory was removed in the final cut yeah apparently uh, brian thompson like discussed with uh, stallone like about his motives and stuff he was like he was asking stallone what he thought and stallone mm. just like didn't want to know at all like he was like saying you're just you're just a killer you're just a psycho it was stallone that did that directed the cast yeah and did the majority of the stuff right yeah to the point that, you know, people all said that, you know, that George was a great producer, but an absolutely horrendous director because Stallone just took over and then George just agreed. He just agreed, yeah, that's how we should do it. And he, I don't, I'm not sure whether he didn't want to, like, step on his toes or whatever, but he became a full, like, cakewalk, which is why this movie is 100% a Stallone film in terms of everything, in terms of the look, in terms of the direction, in terms of how, in terms of how it was written, the fact that he stars in it. It's yeah. all him. There's no yeah. extra like pieces of crew like to blend in. Uh, and it, it sounds to me like as well, I, I, and originally when I heard read all about this, I was thinking it sounds like Stallone was a nightmare. But at the same time, it seemed like the director was a bit like, incompetent in terms of directing and also he was like i remember um reading that brian thompson said he said to him you would have done a really good job if you'd listened to me the director said and instead of stallone it's like how bitchy is that like but when they're actually filming he was all like just doing whatever stallone said it's like yes stallone yes stallone <laughs> i will totally agree with you stallone yeah it was a, it's, yeah basically it was a pushover <laughs> Here are a couple of little Sylvester Stallone ego trips that happened throughout this film. So, yeah. originally, the movie was going to be filmed in Seattle instead of L.A., right? And uh, it was going to climax with a gigantic motorcycle scene on a ferry that was in between the islands, which sounds amazing, right? Yeah. But uh, just before they started filming and they went to, uh, went to Seattle... Uh, Stallone demanded the ending to be changed because there was a mosquito problem. He said, <laughs> there's too many mosquitoes. I can't film here. We're moving somewhere else. Such a diva. So yeah, he literally just said, bugs, fucking hate bugs. We're going somewhere else. <laughs> wow. Just like holding up the entire movie just for that. Two, the, ma- the majority of the supporting cast and extras were forbidden talking to Stallone on set. <laughs> like he was a king or something. Exactly. This is So basically, people, the only other person who was able to talk to him on set was his wife at the time, Bridget Nielsen, right? Yeah. That was about it. Even Brian, which it got to the point, basically, with terms of Brian and everyone and some of the other people like that, is the reason why he felt like they had a really shitty time because he, was, he only appeared on the set, didn't have like any kind of chemistry between them and then when Stallone walked onto the set start bossing everybody around of course he's a dick god the the cinematographer must have had big brass balls to stand up to Stallone then he actually said yeah and it says here although Stallone was shocked shocked that somebody would talk to him that way he cleaned up his act and behaved more professionally right after that even though he did return to his old egocentric behavior a few weeks later yeah. So when someone actually told them off and said, "Oi, stop being a brat," you know, it's like, well, you know, like, well, you know so this guy's got balls. So um, <laughs> he respected that in a way, didn't he? He did, but then, but, but then, you know, because he didn't really put much of a, a you know, the, he, he didn't get 
checked again, his ego came back again. So, yeah. Oh, Stallone. Sort of one of his ways will keep it. And here's another one then. For the night, uh, for the monologue near the end of the final battle with Brian Thompson, right? Brian Thompson did the scene with a script girl standing in for Stallone. Because do you know where Stallone was at this time? No. He was too busy watching a basketball game on TV. Oh, God. It's a good job they didn't need a, like a shot of Stallone at that particular time. Well, they didn't have the mm. choice, did they? He didn't have a choice. In a way, though, if Stallone was there, the camera would be on, could cut to him so much more often. So, in a way, he get Brian would get a lot of screen time for that monologue with Stallone not being there. So it's kind of a good thing. I guess, but if Stallone was technically the guy who was directing the movie, it's weird when the director's not there to see it. So, so he was the it, director when it suited him, really. Pretty much. He's like, oh, I'm just going to watch a game now. And just like, stare, sit now watching a basketball game while this very dramatic, quite important speech. I love your Stallone impression. It sounds like he's had a stroke. It's St- Stallone is very hard to do. So the reception for Cobra was a critical failure um on average you can say it was about 14 percent on rotten tomatoes on an average of about three out of ten as a movie a lot of people said that it relied so much on common action film tropes and that the level of violence was so gratuitous and over the top that they couldn't get invested uh one person even said that stallone's character is like an empty hulk a few attempts to provide us with little insights into his character are downright laughable. They are. It, it, that is a really good... The thing is, I accept all of this criticism, but I still love the movie. No, the movie itself is 100% unforgivable in terms of, like, terribleness. But it's so... I'm not even sure if it... I think what I like about this movie is, like, I don't think it's self-aware enough to think like what they're doing is literally the most tropiest 80s action movie in the history of 80s action films. But I think aesthetically it's really good. Like it, the, mm. the cinematography is fantastic. It looks yeah. brilliant and it's so cinematic and the music's great and it's like but it's just empty. It's like it's good to look at and to and, and the sound is good and everything. The music sound but it's just got no depth to it. And it's annoying because it's kind of like you can see that the movie is trying to have depth because at the intro, it's got... I love the crime stats. In America, <laughs> there's a burglary every 11 seconds. He sounds, he sounds drunk here. An armed robbery every 65 seconds. 65 seconds. <laughs> a violent crime every 25 seconds. A murder every 24 minutes. It sounds like someone doing a stolen rapes a day. Yeah. That's how literally the movie starts. And it's kind of badass. And you see, once you're in there, you're like, yeah. But like, well, like I was joking, it sounds like someone doing a Stallone impression. Stallone sounds drunk and tired. <laughs> well, it makes you think of like, hang on, I'll play something. It's like, in the UK lockdown, Johan Chappelle watches a bad movie 
every three to four hours. <laughs> oh my god. Oh yeah, it sounds so overly dramatic. I love that though. <laughs> it's I think it starts off this is where you can start to feel like this is Salone literally being sincere. Because yeah. it is I, I it's this is not him being self-aware. And I think this is why I think Cobra's kinda great. Is because Cobra is not in the slightest being winky winky nudge nudge, whatever it is, right? It is really, really trying, really trying his hardest to be this gritty crime action film, but completely unaware that it's so OTT. No, because like going back to what I said earlier, I think because of that awesome setup with the, mm. the weird kind of like gritty like narration. It seems like the movie should be super violent and ha- justify the Cobra. And I think yeah. that movie, like if it was like Robocop, would be kind of awesome. Yeah, but it feels like it kind of was held back because it just, at the end of it, it, it fell into the corporate machine yeah. and and Stallone's own hubris to um to say i it's like i need more people to watch my movie so i will cut out 30 minutes or so and it's like who cares everyone will like it's got explosions i mean at the end of the day it was a financial success so it it is a success the movie is like a cult classic you know it was a humongous box office success in fact it was one of the biggest uh opening weekends for an action movie by warner brothers at that time it the budget for the movie was 25 million which demonstrates a little bit because Canon films are great at doing low budget ish kind of films. Uh, but it ended up grossing worldwide about $160 million. That's awesome. So it's much money. Six times the budget. So, yeah, it did well. Like, this is not us going, oh, I wish more people saw it. Clearly, loads of people saw it. <laughs> yeah. Right. So. Here's a plot. Is uh, Do we have any appropriate synthwave music to play in the background as I go through the plot? Um, yeah. Right, so I'm going to do my best uh, gritty, uh, gritty moment as I'm reading through it. So, <clears throat> right. As crime runs rampant in the United States, the hardest nails LAPD lieutenant, Marion, Cobra... <laughs> Cobaretti is the only cure for the crime-infested urban jungle of Los Angeles. In the meantime, a string of seemingly unconnected and unmotivated random assaults on civilians will soon drag the hardened officer into a violent war against psychopaths of the secret organization named the New World. (laughs) With the crime society's sole purpose to weed out the weak, Cobra will escort an important witness, a young model, Ingrid, uh, out, out of the town to protect her. However, the moment's delusional, the movement's delusional killers will stop at nothing to track her down. Now, the only one who stands in their way is a one-man army lieutenant. Are they prepared for the Cobra's nasty bite? <laughs> Excellent. Just like a trailer, mate. I know, right? Uh, I should totally be doing the trailer voice. But yeah, so. The plot is quite empty. There is a serial killer on the loose. They're part of a cult. They're killing the they're killing off the weak, which they never explain what the weak is, which drives me bananas. And that uh, is up to Marion Marion Cobra Cobretti. Now, there's a reason why he's called Marion. Um, this is his own Marion is actually Sylvester Stallone's homage to John Wayne because his original John Wayne's original name was Marion. Yeah. 
So he basically, he is totally embodying uh, the sort of hardened John Wayne-like character. He even mentioned, Spessalone even mentioned, as he was reading the book that got inspired to do the thing, he was watching Dirty Harry at the time. Yeah. And he felt instantly influenced to do very similar things that you'd see in Dirty Harry, mm. which uh, it's very fucking obvious that this is him trying to do his own violent spin on something like that. But, well, actually, when, when, during the opening, you yeah. get a bit of, um, you get a bit of this. You get the... You get the axe aerobics. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, before we even start this, actually, before we even do the grocery store scene, can I? Can we have a chat about montages in this movie? <laughs> yeah, this is the perfect music for that. Yeah, it's it, the montages are like a music video. Yes. And like the opening has got like the axe kind of aerobic kind of thing going on. Mm. Um, and it's like yeah, they're doing this in time with this music, like clinking two axes. And the, the, the logo of the New World Order is like two axes, isn't it? Like, yeah. so it's like, they're like, this is how bad guys do their aer- that exercise, obviously. Clearly. And there's, there's like three more montages in this entire movie. Clearly, ever since Rocky, Stallone loves montages. But these are probably the cheesiest of all the montages. There's one later on when we're introduced properly to Bridget Nielsen where there's three things going on, which is very confusing. One, which is the cult is going on a murder spree. Um, the coppers, um, basically Stallone and his partner, going around the streets talking to hookers. And then there's Bridget Nielsen going through a photo shoot of some kind with robots. Yeah. It's just basically like her like doing, it, doing a shoot, isn't it? Her modelling like shoot. But it's cut. the way it's cut is so like a music video. It's awesome. And, and that's going back to what I said earlier. The, mu- the, the movie is just like aesthetically like good looking. And yeah. it's cut like a music video. This whole movie feels like all the stuff that Stallone liked at the time and people he liked and people he worked with and roping them into, it's like, hey, let's do a passion project. I'm going to do, I'm going to do Cobra. I need you to do Cobra with me. So, um, it's my Stallone is, I'm not sure if my Stallone's getting better or worse. Just keep doing it because it's, it's still, it's always entertaining. <laughs> You're introduced to one of the members of the cultists um, going into a grocery store and causing a fucking riot. Yeah. yeah. It starts off with a bang. So if you have no idea what you're getting yourself in for, even with the gritty opening and the weird montage at the beginning, you then get to this bit and it is just hilarious. He takes out, I think it's a shotgun, is it? He takes out a shotgun? Yeah. yeah just start shooting people. Like it's, it's quite scary, really, because it's horrible. He just gets a gun out in the middle of the store shotgun just starts blasting at people it was horrendous like it shoots one woman in the back but then what happens is every time he misses he's clearly a shitty shot because he shoots everything there's one bit that made me laugh is he shoots a shopping trolley yeah and the shopping trolley from the power of the shotgun jumps up into the air yeah yeah cobra mentions him being uh, having a like a bad shot on the intercom like this Mm. I don't like he is. Shots. It's a waste of the kid. For nothing. 
Yeah, I just love it. He's just like, hey, dirtbag. <laughs> it's so gritty. So, he's, he's so yeah, but at that point, he, they call in Cobra. So the police are standing outside. I love the two bumbling cops, the, 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 the two guys at the beginning, basically, the cops that keep coming in over and over again. And so, like, he's like, we have to bring in the Cobra. And, and, and you can see, like, do we have to bring in the Cobra? It's like, you wait, They're totally the useless without Stallone, aren't they? They just can't do anything without, they just need him all the time. <laughs> Because, no, not going to lie, when you see how Cobra, how Stallone is in this movie, of course you want him for everything. Although he is like he is like every action movie, 80s cop thing, where it's like, so much collateral damage, everyone <laughs> dies, and everything else. Yeah, it um, is like the the, like the, uh, the tropes, isn't it? The, the traditional cop movie tropes. That's what a lot of the criticism was about, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, just an interesting factoid when it comes to this, because I'll just mention that um, Sylvester Stallone in this movie... The body count in this is hilarious, right? There are about, and I'll tell you, 52 people die, right? Yeah. 41 of them is by Stallone. Right. So Stallone kills more people than the serial killers. Well, that's what, yeah, that's what I said. The, 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 night, the, the night slasher and his kind of lackeys, you don't see enough of them killing people because it was all cut out, so... Okay, so first, so so Cobra comes in. He looks all badass. He's got the jacket. He's got the aviator sunglasses. He's ready to go. It is the most 80s outfit, I think, in the history of 80s outfits. There's that uh, bit where he's, hide, he's hiding from the bad guy in the shop. And there's a really good sponsor pose when he's got the Cool's beer. And he's next to yes! Pepsi as well. And he's like, the, he's got the Pepsi logo there. He's got the Cools beer. It's like all the sponsors. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's one of my favorite bits. Um, speaking of which, actually, this movie actually has a shit ton of advertisements throughout the entire film. Yeah. Um, basically. So you have Pepsi, you have uh, Coors, you have Toys R Us, you have, um, you also have Coca-Cola and and Miller as well. So all these drinks, basically, are being... <laughs> Classic 80s. Yeah, it's, it is great. And then, so basically, they it gets to the point where they, he does actually confront the bad guy, doesn't he? Yeah. And um, my, my favourite line in that exchange is basically, he, he goes, I've got a bomb, I'll blow this whole place up. I've got a clip of it, actually. Yeah. I'll blow this whole place up! Go ahead. I don't shut her. <laughs> It's like I mean I'm complaining about the script all those all all the time so far, but there are some hilarious lines. I don't know whether it's accidental or what, but that is hilarious. It's brilliant. It, there's loads of moments throughout the movie like that. Um, I, I you know um, and you know he's and, and he also says the other famous line and that's oh I've, that I've got a clip well. of that as well. Yeah, because he basically he, the bad guy continue, goes on to say like I'm a hunter. I'm from the new world. I'm killing yeah. the weak. And like he just says, Stallone just says, "Your disease, and I'm the cure." The famous line on the—that's the tagline of the movie, isn't it? It is. <laughs> he goes out. He gets confronted by the press and the rest of the other coppers, and they're saying, "Like it's like, did he have to die? Did he have to do so much collateral damage?" Da -da 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 -da. At one point, he does grab. He grabs. Um, he grabs a reporter. And chucks and tugs over to a body. So it's like you know, it, it, everyone has a right to you know justice by the law. And so Stallone grabs him, puts him over to like a guy on the thing, and say, "Tell that to his family." Yeah, yeah, because he says this, doesn't he? 
Yeah. Did you use unnecessary deadly force? I used everything I had. <laughs> I used everything I had. He did. He, uh, to be honest, I don't think Stallone really tried. Like his his idea for how to get out of a situation is to just fucking shoot. <laughs> yeah. Um. Because he is a member. He is a member of uh of of a squad in the police station. The zombie squad called the zombie squad. Yeah. yeah. They are basically like the last line of defense where basically when things get really shitty and you need to take an unethical or unapproachable sort of thing to get there, right? You get these guys because they will just break they'll do whatever it takes to get there. It doesn't matter if it's uh, if it's slightly against the law, they'll fucking do it. It's kind of like special forces kind of thing, isn't it? Uh, Basically, they're not dressed like a SWAT team or anything like that, but they're special tactical forces, which apparently the zombie squad is actually inspired by an actual uh, department in Belgium. All right. So in Belgium, there is actually a zombie squad, which is basically where they have members. They have members of uh, they have things like bounty hunters and stuff like that that they call if they can't do the job through regular police means and they get all these renegades to literally get the job done by any means necessary right this was a thing in a while and that's what again inspired stallone to do this to say like it's like well it's like well you know they have this thing in like this in belgium maybe we should do it in the united states too um uh, <laughs> First time you properly see the murder, uh, a murder, a murder happen. Like not like proper proper is when this woman's just driving, and then just bumps, and then the, and then a car just bumps into her. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. And this is probably one of the funniest bits in the movie for me because I didn't expect it coming. You, get, you see this woman with big hair. She yeah. gets out of the car. It's raining a bit. She's a big car walks in, walks in front of her, and she's like, "Oh, I'm so sorry to hit you." There's no one else on the road, by the way, so it's just these two. And the woman basically goes over to her and says, "Like, say, how could you possibly hit me? Are you drunk?" And then they cut to the camera, moonlighting underneath. Her eyes and her face are like this. They're like hard, and and, she, and then she goes, "Yes." <laughs> <laughs> There's loads of moments where you think they're gonna, the characters are going to elaborate more on their dialogue, but they don't. They just kind of it just cuts off. That's that. That was it. There was nothing more to that line. That's it. And then right after that, just a fucking then just fucking like the 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 night slasher just comes in and just kills this woman. Yeah. Um. And that is when we're introduced to Bridget Nielsen. Yes. Which is she? Is, uh... She's the witness, isn't she? She's the witness. Yeah. She's she's the witness. And so she's driving, which I think she seems to be driving towards to a shoot of some sort, I think. She's driving to some kind of late night shoot, it seems to be. Yeah. And she sees the uh the aftermath of this murder where um where as she's driving, you see, you know, the night slasher and the big poofy haired lady and everything else just packing the body away in the back of the van. And, um, and it's can, like in the middle of the road or something. They're not like conspicuous at all. They're basically just like, yeah, just out in the open, kind of like uh, going about their business. Anyone could have seen it. Like this is no, they are not trying to hide this at all. So, so, the, and so when it goes after, when, when Bridget Nielsen drives past and she just zooms in faster when, you know, when the night slasher gets angry, it's like, rada, 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 rada. Right. Yeah. Um, 
basically, which then leads to the whole weird sort of shoot thing and everything else. But yeah, what did you think of Bridget Nielsen in this movie? Uh, it could have been anyone. Mm. It could have been any like sort of hot woman in the eighties. It's not. She didn't like make it. Her performance didn't punch out, did it? No, nah, I didn't. No, uh, I, 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 I kind of felt like because the only this was, I think, her third film after Red Sonia. I think. Um, and oh, Red Sonia, that's that's going to be one we eventually have to cover. Yeah. But, um, but okay, um, I don't think she ever really was a good actress. I don't no. think she ever really was a good actress. So when she's trying to be, like, sincere and saying half her lines, it seems very deadpan. And I notice this the instant we get into the car park sequence. Yeah. When she's like being chased by by the, the the night slasher and stuff like that, you mean yeah. when she's got the the jacket on with the fringe and the fringe is flapping like crazy? It's, the fringe is stealing the scene. The fringe <laughs> on her jacket is going wild, going like more doing more acting than she is. <laughs> it's amazing. It pops up, it pops down, it goes left, it goes right, it does everything. The continuity in this movie is astonishing. I kind of like the sequence because it's so OTT, like I've never experienced something like this, where um, she's being like hound dogged by what seems to be the photographer, I think. Yeah, the, the, the photo- her photographer, he's basically like hitting on her. Apparently in the, in the longer cut, there was lots more of him like hitting on her and stuff like that, much more of his character. Which but like you don't sense. see much of it. He just, you just, you know that he's trying to like uh, get with her, but that's it. Just from I one bit of dialogue. Would, I think that would have made more sense if there was more of him, like, attempting to go on a date with her kind of thing. Yeah. yeah? But um, just randomly, it just feels like the photographer's going like, hey, you know, maybe you and I should go on a date kind of thing. And it's funny because he basically say, he, he says things like, it's very sort of, very sort of sexist now. But say, hey, it's not like I'm asking you to marry me. You know, I'm just <laughs> asking for a date. He, he kind of seems like the character that's sort of like, it's implied that his his models just sleep with him, kind of thing. Yeah, kind of thing. It's like, oh, it's implied. He actually said, like, it'd be good for your career. Um, yeah. Gross. But it, again, it's just another stereotype, isn't it, of that type of character? When that happens, they're going to the car and everything else. Suddenly, he gets killed off, and you know, the night slasher and some of his goons with fucking axes and stuff. It's terrifying. Yeah, just chasing her down everywhere there's one part that i love about the sequence where there's a random businessman just appears yeah he's like a, t- a traditional kind of like like stockbroker type isn't he like he looks sort of yeah. like that he just gets absolutely nailed about his axe and you can tell he got killed because suddenly a bottle of champagne just in slow motion breaks on the ground yeah he's got he's just got the luxuries just there and he's hardly got the champagne he's just ready to go but no, he's ready. He, he was going to have a good night and he just it got cut short. <laughs> Very cut fucking short. Was, oh, man, it was brilliant. She does eventually kind of escape, but not, but not without having a couple of other casualties. Like, he finally, she finally gets to the lift. Yeah. She gets to the lift. And when the lift opens, the security guard, right? Mm. And she, obviously she's being smart. Like, Someone help me. Someone's trying to kill me. And then you've got the free goons. Yeah. Come in. And then you, I think you got the night stalker. She, he, he's, he's in the car with like pantyhose on his head. <laughs> he looks even scary, actually, with that on. He's, he he's a frightening guy. 
oh, he looks terrifying with the pantyhose on him, right? <laughs> and um, <laughs> this is so good because he, he, you see a close-up of his lips going, kill her. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of his like lines, like sometimes it'll cut to the, the a scene and he'll just say one thing like that and then it'll cut to something else, like end scene. <laughs> He'll, he, he, or, or he'll grunt and he'll just be like, Ugh. <laughs> and that's the end of the scene. Or there's a scene later on where, for no fucking reason, he's just like he's sharpening a knife and he's just about to like pierce. He's like, it feels like he's about to chop off his finger or something. And all you see is like a close-up of him cutting the finger and says like, "The girl is mine." That's literally all she says. Let's talk about the the knife for a second though. That knife is mm. really fucking. Cool. It was made especially for the film. Yes. And Stallone uh, asked the creator of the knife just to make a knife that the, the audience will never forget. And it, that's, well, it's yeah. a good brief, that is, because he did make a knife you don't forget about. It's a scary-looking weapon, that is. It is the weirdest over-the-top killing machine weapon I've ever seen. Because mm. it's got... It's like a flip knife, but it's massive. It's got this big curve on it. It's got spikes on the handle. It's like a knuckle duster and a, and a like a blade, isn't it? Like a knife. So you could punch someone and stab them with a knuckle duster thing, but then you could also slash them. It is awesome. Yeah. It's absolutely awesome. Um, so, but wait, so back to the lift bit. So when, when he gets in the car, he says, I want, he says, I need her. So he gets in the car, drives the car to the security guard and just runs him the fuck over into the lift and it was just like a bam it's so like over the top he just rams straight into him doesn't he like smash into the wall you'd think these guys want to be a bit more sneaky wouldn't you (laughs) no sneaky is not the fucking tactic it's just like murder 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 even on a budget Quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, I want to ask if you reckon if you notice this weird running trope in the movie because I did. Okay, there's a weird thing about food in this movie. Yeah, I think it's just to like uh, attempt to have some kind of something else going on. It's like because him and his partner, uh, what's his partner called? I can't remember. Um, I'm looking at this now. I can't remember myself. Gonzalez. Gonzalez. Yeah, he, he, they have like this this kind of like friendly kind of like buddy relationship and all they seem to talk about is like food and stuff isn't it but i think it's just to add some other kind of like depth to it but it's, it doesn't really work but they're trying like no but the thing for me i noticed that cobra's a bit of a dick 
Like yeah. in terms of like his diet and stuff, it's like saying like, "What are you eating? Sugar?" It's like it's like, do you know why? Like, do you know why you're so angry and so violent? Is all the fucking junk food you're eating? Have a salad. I've got um, a I've got that actually. You know, when this is over, I like to celebrate by punching a hole in Monty's chest. You know what the trouble with you is? You're too violent. This is to load. It's all that sugar you're eating. <laughs> so there's that. And it's like, actually, I do did find Stallone funny in that scene when he goes, you're too violent. But then in throughout the movie, there's other moments like this. Like there's a bit where you saw like say, at one point, Gonzalez just like, again, Bridget Nielsen has just explained this horrible, horrifying situation. And then... Gonzalez, you know, Gonzalez just literally goes over to Cobra and says, what are you eating? Like, I'm having some kind of cheese salad. You want some? Oh, okay, sure. I'll have a cheese salad. What, what is in this thing? And then there's other bits as well, like talking about their favorite kind of drink and they're talking about different kind of stuff. And I think Cobra is a food snob. I love the bits uh, in the, later on in the, the, the cafe. Yes. In the diner. Because he says the worst joke ever. She's basically eating French fries, drowned like so much ketchup on him, and he just looks at them. It's like in disgust, and just says this. You have a life preserver. What? Your French fries drowning. (laughs) So bad. It's It's like the worst dad joke ever, isn't it? Where you know how we love on the nose lyrics. So when he's traveling back. There's a bit of this playing, and I, I just, I, it's made me laugh so much. I get it. It's your R and R time. Calm the fuck down. so ridiculous i love it uh, this song was this this song plays three times i think and it's always around the area that cobra lives because cobra lives around the latino area of it so like not only are we going to say that cobra works too hard we're also going to have to establish his latinos around yeah now, now here's the thing that makes that is uh, that's really really sort of fascinating right so there are loads of goofs in this movie uh but one of my favorite goofs and i'm wondering if you noticed this okay in the scene at the very first time where, you know, there's a there's a big like sort of low rider sort of car happening. Yeah, there's a low rider situation. And then Cobra just being a dick just bumps the car. Right. Oh, you mean where he arrives back at his apartment like and he parks up and he kind of just bashes the car out of the way. Yes. Kind of thing. Yeah. 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 That guy, I re I, when I first saw that I hadn't seen it for a, uh, a few years, but I watched that. I was bursting out laughing because of the way he talks to that guy. Get a few health, you know. What is pinche? Yeah, cool. Me. Clean up your act. He rips the vest open. <laughs> First of all, the guy's like really cocky, and after he kind of grabs him and rips his shirt, he kind of goes all like sheepish, doesn't he? He's kind of like he's sort of like intimidated by Cobra at that point. But I love the fact that he rips his entire vest off. Yes. Oh, but now here's the thing. I wonder if you noticed this, and this is I noticed this instantly. Okay, so in the scene where he bumped into the Hispanic gangster's car to park, you know, whatever they had an argument with, when he tells him he's bad for his health, he rips the man's white undershirt, right? But there's a taped lapel mic that is visibly clear in the chest. 
Oh, no, I didn't see that, no. Oh, it is. It's so obviously there. And I just watched it. I'm thinking, why is there a lapel mic there? And I, I wasn't sure was it when it says, like, clean up your act or something. I thought, like, it's, I thought, like is he wearing a wire? Like, what's happening there? <laughs> no, apparently they left that. They, it, it was there so that he could read the lines properly, so he can record his dialogue. But they, but the Stallone ripped the shirt so hard that it exposed everything. <laughs> and then because of that, for continuity's sake, they had to keep the lapel mic on for three other scenes with the guy in it. Oh, God. <laughs> Hilarious. Finally goes to the apartment, and we've been, be honest, we've been kind of waiting for the scene. Oh, yeah, we've been talking about this. It's building up to this. There's so many golden moments in this. For a start, it's a stupidly long shot when he enters. It's kind of, yeah. it doesn't cut for ages. It kind of follows him in. Yeah. He sits down. He's got his pizza, mm-hmm. and he opens up his pizza, he's, he's, he, and he cuts it with scissors. Okay, Which... number one. Number one, who the fuck eats pizza this way? Uh, I Well... I know other people find it really odd, but sometimes before I had a pizza cutter, I used yeah. to cut pizza with scissors myself because it's easier to cut. But it just it does look odd. No, no, it's 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 not the scissors cutting with pizza is the problem. That's what the thing. He doesn't cut it like tiny slice. He cuts the end of the pizza off and just has a tiny corner of it. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and he, he keeps his uh, he keeps his like sexy leather gloves on as well, which is a bit weird. It's like I don't want to touch the pizza with my hands. And then on top of that, okay, then he opens an egg ca- an egg carton of some sort that has all the gun cleaning stuff, and he's doing this. So he's eating pizza. He's eating pizza terribly. He is um, cleaning out his gun while watching the news, which before then has an advertisement for goddamn flipping Toys R Us. I've got it, and this makes you feel so nostalgic. If you if you remember Toys R Us as a kid, now obviously we haven't got Toys R Us. This actually makes it makes me really nostalgic. Mm. Fireplaces glowing, icicles growing, hearts overflowing with cheer. Oh my god, it plays it so obviously there, it's hilarious. Eventually, what's happened there is now there's a witness and everything else. You know, the coppers are saying, like, right, okay, we're trying to do it our way. But then, obviously, more murders are still happening. Yeah. So they finally go over to Cobra and say, right, you do what you do, right? Just be careful with collateral damage. I think one dickhead, go, one of the dickhead cops should go and say, and try not to whack off the wrong person, yeah? <laughs> Yes. Is that like that Monty guy? The Monty guy's always in his face, isn't he? Like saying like, this is not the way I would do it. And he's like really always laying into him. Well, like the glasses, the guy with the glasses. No, it's the guy that was in uh, the guy. His, his name's Monty in the movie. He's the guy that was in Hellraiser as well. He's the dad yeah, in Hellraiser. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, that guy's all that guy. Yeah, he's a bit of a dick. But then you've got the other guy, the guy with glasses on. The yeah. guy with glasses on, like, he's the bigger dickhead. Cause he's always in Cobra's face and saying, you're not doing this again the right way, man. You're always doing whatever it is. He's always in his face. And one bit, actually, he really gets into his face. This is later on in the movie. And, you know, he's saying, like, you know, how many people got to die to do this? Blah, blah, blah. Fucking Stallone just fucking grabs him. He's about to wail on him right, right there and then. Yeah, there's a bit where um, he's saying... Uh... I've heard you're withholding a, a sketch of the of the Night Slasher, and he goes, and he, he they want to see it, and he goes, he says this. Cobra says this. He didn't say the magic word. What magic word? Please. 
what a dick. But that's another example of like terrible like uh, script writing because he, he, you want him to say more than that. It's not even a funny line. It's like you didn't say a magic word, please. Okay, you want something more than that. It's not funny. The thing with the whole movie is what Stallone thinks is funny <laughs> is just being a dick. Yeah, because in the same in the same scene when he's leaving. The guy says, uh, you've got an attitude problem. So, Freddie, do you know you have an attitude problem? Yeah, but it's just a little one. <laughs> I love that. And that's on the same lines as the uh, magic word kind of piece of dialogue, isn't it? It's just like, really, it's kind of so shit, it makes you laugh. I kind of love that, actually. I love that it's kind of cringy, because it's a... It's... I think it sums up Stallone in general. I think Stallone generally finds these lines to be hilarious. He thinks this is witty, right? Yeah. And he thinks this character's gonna do it, because obviously, what he's trying to do is, again, trying to do the Dirty Harry thing, because Dirty Harry also had good witty one-liners, but it suited him, because most of the time, half of it's just profanities and calling everyone a dickhead, and he's just this hard, grizzled, grr, kind of thing, right? When Stallone's doing it, it just doesn't seem to work. It just seems like a dick move, more yeah, than just being hard and grizzled. It's not, I think he was, because he was a bit, obviously, in big competition with Arnold Schwarzenegger at the time. Yeah. And Arnie can deliver such a good one-liner that it's, and it's hilarious when he does it. And, and more often than not, the script the script is better for Arnie, so he can kind of the line is funnier anyway. But like he, when Arnie delivers a, a liner, you always remember them because they're so well done and funny. But if Sloane does it, like in this movie, it's you're, you're laughing at him rather than with him, aren't you? This this moves on to. Okay, so realizing now that um, she, he, the Night Stalker now knows who she is, he knows who the witness is, right? And so she, he decides to take a, a little personal like trip to the hospital that uh, that she's uh, being held at. Yeah. All right. Now, this for me made me laugh so hard. Yeah. Because. Okay, so basically, uh, the, the Night Slasher, you know, Brian Thompson, he has a very distinctive-looking face. Like, it's to the point that, look, it does look like you walk into a room and like, that's a bad guy. Although, interesting enough, here's a factoid for you, right? Brian Thompson was actually, actually auditioned for the role of the Night Slasher seven times, right? Yeah. He was done seven times, cause, and, and on the fourth time he tried to audition... Um, he was told by Sylvester Stallone that he just looks too nice, which I do not believe in the fucking slightest looking at this movie. And yeah, it's obvious that they were just totally wrong because as soon as they did a screen test, he mm. got it straight away because as soon as you see that guy on screen, you know he's perfect for that role. But yeah, because he looks fucking terrifying. So he decides to try and infiltrate the hospital by killing a janitor and stealing his outfit. And the first time you see him in this outfit is when he's in a lift. Yeah. And it is the most, like, suspicious, non-suspicious kind of, kind of like, caricature ever. It's The costume doesn't suit him. He's got the big glasses and everything else, the gel back hair. And he looks like, oh, I'm just a janitor. Do you know what it reminded me of? The game Hitman. Yes! <laughs> 
does. Because Hitman is just so intense that he just looks like a crazy, like, sort of assassin, basically, which is what he is. And, like, you could spot him a mile off. It's the same with uh, with this guy. He just, he's just, you can't blend in. And I love the bit where you got, like, the other, like, elderly nurse or something like that. She goes in and say, like, saying, you shouldn't be using the service elevator. Next time, take the stairs. How yeah, and he's, he's like, primed and ready to kill her, isn't he? He's, like, almost disappointed that he doesn't get to kill her. Oh, man. Like, it, it just, just did get pretty cool. So he finally goes, he plans it out, goes into Bridget Nielsen's room, and just starts trying to stab her. He's trying to. There's one bit where, he's, where he finally stabs through the door, and his arm's just wailing, just trying to stab her. It's like, yeah. And, and 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 this is the bit where it proves to me that this hospital's inept because there's a bit where Bridget Nielsen is running through the hallway to say, somebody help me! It's dead quiet, right? Mm. And you're thinking, maybe there's no one in the hospital. She pulls a fire alarm and everyone comes out of their rooms <laughs> thinking like, did you not hear a screaming woman going down this hallway? It's ridiculous. No, it's not like a mental asylum. If you heard screaming like that, you would like, you know, be alarmed. <laughs> I know. You're thinking like, oh my god, something's happening. But it's like, no one's responding. She's banging on doors. She's doing all this shit. Nothing. Like absolutely nothing. Oh man, it was too funny. <laughs> Cobra goes back to his goes back to his uh, apartment to do some research, right? You know, because he's now got the whole like. He's got the sketch and everything else. He's going to like, I'm going to try and find this guy. He's going through books. Yeah. He looks so weird. He's flipping through books, typing on a computer. Then he gets a phone call from Gonzalez and says, like, I'm in your office. Is I'm in your office. What do you need? And uh, Cobra said, what, so what are you doing there? I thought you were in the hospital. And it just turns out saying like, uh, and it's like, no, no, I got, a, I got a call from the police department saying it was you. And it's like, get back to the hospital. Get out of there. And the <laughs> moment that happens... Just a bunch of guys just break into his apartment and just try and fucking shooting at him. There's a there's a bit where he finally gets onto the roof or something like that, and one of the guys just runs through a glass door to get to him. Yeah, and like during that sequence, wall to wall Pepsi around them. It's like everywhere. It's like... <laughs> He's lit by a neon, a giant neon sign of Pepsi. <laughs> It's almost like he needed to get the, the the Pepsi sign and like hit him with it or something. So Cobra finally arrives onto the scene just in the nick of time to say that she's okay, and so they're saying, right, we need to move you into the safe house, mm. right? This is when we're reintroduced properly to the bushy-haired woman, yeah, because she is a mole. Yeah. <laughs> they got someone on the inside. I love that bit where it says, "I got something on the inside." It's like, hey, you got proof? Like, Not yet. Although it, it seems so obvious because all he had to do was say someone from the police department called Gonzalez. That is enough for proof for me. Yeah. You know, at least he said there's definitely a mole here somewhere. So someone get internal affairs involved. Now nah, they don't bother. They, they gloss over that bullshit. I mean, I like the idea of these bad guys, this new world order. I like the idea that like it could be anyone and they are they, they're just blending into society but they are like complete sort of psychopaths. And I like the yeah. fact, you know, when you see them doing their axe aerobics, you see all yes. different kinds of people, like a suited man and like different mm. kinds of like people in different jobs. They're all part of this like organization. And, and it, that's kind of a creepy concept, isn't it? 
they don't explore it and they don't actually establish what's considered weak. What yeah. is weak? Mm. Um, you know, because yeah, I understand that we're going to weed out. We're going to weed out the weak. Okay. Can we know what the weak is? Because it seems like you're just killing random fuckos at the moment, you mm. know? So, and and now Bridget Nielsen's like, she's the weakest of all. <laughs> I have to kill her. I think it's just because they, it's difficult for them to get her because she's now connected with like Cobra and stuff like that. So it becomes a big chore for them. It's what's meant to be a simple thing. This is my favorite action scene in the whole movie. This is the chase scene. This is the car chase sequence. Yeah. And oh my God. Wow. <laughs> Before we go into it, let's talk about that car for a moment. How cool is that car? Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, it, it, it's like, it's, it was, it was uh, owned by Stallone at the time. Yeah, it's a custom 1950 Mercury. So, With nitros. Yeah. <laughs> the, studio, the, the studio produced stunt doubles of the car for use throughout the action sequences so it could jump and do all the crazy stuff this car seems to do. Yeah. So basically, Stallone says like, I got a car. I want to use my car. But so like, so like say, are you going to do the stunts with it? And it's like, no. So he goes and tells the studio, and so like, I want this car. And it's like saying, you know, we have loads of other stunt cars here. Now I want this one. I need to make it. So it, it was really sort of over the over established what the car can do. The car can go from zero to sixty hours per, uh, miles per hour in four seconds. Did you happen to notice what the number plate says? No, what would the number plate say? The number plate says awesome five oh. Amazing. It's like a different spelling of awesome. Obviously so it's shorter. But there's a close-up of it. When he first arrives in the car at the beginning of the movie, yeah. it shows the number plate close up and that's what it says. I just burst out laughing at that. It's so good. Awesome. Again, he fucking knows he's awesome, isn't he? That's the whole kind of point with him don't you think this character though is kind of like set up for like almost to be an action figure because he's got the the souped up car that kids would like he's got Mm. the gun that's got the cobra on the handle he's got the sunglasses got the leather jacket he is basically an action figure isn't he and you could get all those things by the all 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 the other things sold separately kind of thing no here was a thing actually um (laughs) Originally, and this is this is an interesting fact. There was there were things that pipelined in the time to actually make full blown action figures of Cobra. Yeah, and the whole thing, uh, because this was weird. Like if you, if you, if you could toyify, it was great. But because of the high R rating at the time, they weren't very sure if they could do it. They did eventually make some, but they became sort of collectors' items at the time. Yeah, because it, it, it's I, I remember in the past though them uh, making action figures of like 18 certificate movies and yet it was it was weird so you'd play with these toys of these films you wouldn't allow, weren't allowed to see it was like it's mm. it odd but anyway back to back to the car chase so the car chase is my favorite scene because at the very beginning so you've got the crooked cop and gonzalez in one car and then you've got the uh, and then you've got uh, bridge nielsen and cobra driving the other car right yeah and so they're basically so basically the crooked cop and Gomez and Gomez Gonzalez uh, gets <laughs> Gomez uh, gets Gonzalez gets run over by a truck basically like and it's just cars like immobile and then the then a whole and then some of the other cultists in the other car as it were just drive past Cobra and start shooting and it is the most over the top ridiculous car chase 
I think I've seen in a movie and I love it a bit. Yeah, what's so hilarious about this this scene is the fact that the entire New World Order go after Cobra. So he like, he kills all of them pretty much. I think you know he's supposed to have killed the entire cult in this scene, apart from the Night Slasher and like the crooked cop. So yeah. he's kind of wipes. It's like he's trying to get rid of all the plot holes in one kind of scene. Like so, what happened? Because I was originally originally thinking like at the end of the movie. Yeah, but he's only really killed the main kind of guy from the cult. What about all the other people that are blending into society? Apparently, he's supposed to have killed them all in that scene. <laughs> yeah, like he, he's killed most of them in in that first car chase. And in the second car chase, he kills he, he kills the entire cult, basically. <laughs> so in the first cult, right, so the first, the first car chase is brilliant because obviously he's been chasing through traffic and it's awesome. It's really, really cool stuff with the Night Stalker going in with a shotgun and machine guns. It's fucking ace right at one point this i had i actually gave it a round of applause when this happened (laughs) cobra does a 180 drives backwards shoots the van behind him with a fucking machine gun the van explodes he does another 180 and zooms forward while pressing nitrous it is so cool it's like the coolest maneuver in the car. It's like it's brilliant. And it's like he's got. I love the fact he's got a machine that that's like like sort of machine gun as well. He's like got he's got the supercar. He's got like military grade weaponry. He's meant to be a cop. It's like where does he get this arsenal from? He has a bag of grenades at one point, <laughs> which is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> and it, it, it's full blown over the top action. Another point in that whole chase sequence is when the night killer just shoots these two tankers of oil for no fucking reason. And it fucking explodes in two shots, by the way. Just an explosion. It's like in a computer game, like shoot the red barrels type of thing, isn't it? Like <laughs> Totally. And so it's like, oh, oh no, Cobra, what are we going to do? Cobra, he just fucking drives through it. And then, and then he hits a boat. Yeah. He hits a bow. He does a. He does like hold on. Does like a three hundred sixty degree spin. And most of, and be honest, he most people would have died from that crash, but it's fine. They're fine. <laughs> They're not even got like a scratch on him, have they? No, no, no. He has one little cut above his eye, <laughs> like an action movie cut, action like star cut. It's like I. It's like I only hurt my eyebrow from that. It's like how hard are you? How hard are you to survive that? All you got from it. So great. Also just a little cut from his eyebrow. Fucking hilarious. And this is where they kind of go on the road. They go on a road trip kind of thing. They do the whole sort of trying to bond with each other. The whole sort of like, you know, it's like, let's be friends. You know, we're going to be in a hideout in the middle of nowhere. This is our safe house kind of thing. And yeah, like Bridget then- Nielsen, like he's, he's totally like hitting on him like all the time. And uh, yeah. there's that bit where she she's like having a nap and she kind of gets up and uh, just watches him seductively, like while he's like building a gun. It's just like, yeah, I want like to watch my man build guns. <laughs> That's a thing. <laughs> it's so weird. Isn't it? It's so like a macho kind of scene. It's like, yeah, women like to watch men build guns. Please tell me out there, people, if that's a legit thing, okay? If that's a legit thing, if you find gun building really attractive, <laughs> I don't know. But it's so weird because all the bonding feels really fake. 
all of it seems really fake. Uh, I mean, the whole bit where it's like saying, you know, his name is Marion, you know, that kind of shit. And you think that's, oh, that's supposed to humanize Cobra. But Cobra is just an empty vessel of just, I don't really care. I look so manly. Grr. But I do like the bit where he's looking at the, it's like, a stall of tat at that particular part part <laughs> and he picks up that bobblehead and he goes hard item <laughs> to, to the very ass- beginning he's he's also doing he's doing the bobblehead in time with the bobblehead he's just moving his head a bit like this i know that is that's classic stallone humor in my in my opinion like when he because yeah. you know like there is movies where he's actually he's really good in like obviously the rocky movies like the first like rocky early rocky movies and when he's like funny in those movies that's the kind of like rocky humor isn't it like when he's like yeah. like doing the sort of like it's kind of like dumb guy humor isn't it kind of like mm. he, he seems a bit dopey and it's kind of funny but it's like it, it, is that that's actually quite that is funny that kind of stuff that he does Mm. But I don't know if Stallone thinks that that is character development no. or whether it's just Stallone being Stallone. <laughs> no, apparently, so... apparently in the, the full, like, uh, original draft of mm. the screenplay, you were going to see, um, he was going to, you're going to have seen him in a relationship and yeah. they uh, she gets brutally murdered but and obviously that gives him motive to be like almost like the punisher then isn't it like yeah there's so much missing from this mm. movie that would have filled it in but i am curious about whether the 2 hour movie would have really been great i mean people who've watched it apparently have said that it's so much better narratively but I, I don't think it would really have improved much from what we saw from 90 minutes of it i'm just thinking they're going that is nah, nah i wonder right? if I wonder if like Arrow or someone will like re-release kind of like that version at some point. They may, they may do because obviously at the moment you, it's like only bootleg, isn't it? You can't like, and it would be really poor quality because obviously they would just kind of put together like rough bits yeah. with the actual end. For, like, the, the, so you get like the mass, re, the, you get like the the best version footage mixed in with that all the rough footage kind of, and it like it looked really uneven. But if there was like uh, a version that was all remastered and all the rough mm. stuff was remastered that would be kind of interesting to watch it would have been fascinating it would be a, definitely a fascinating watch mm. now just just to throw one thing randomly out here before we go into the final action sequence which is by far the most ridiculous thing in the history of ever right yeah. um i mentioned at the very beginning this was a canon movie and yeah. you had no idea it was a canon film mm. Now, there's a reason for that. The Canon logo does not appear anywhere during the film's opening or closing credits or in any of the publicity materials. The film even ends like a traditional Canon film with the freeze frame and uh, everything else, that kind of thing, and stopped rolling. You know, it ends like a Canon movie. And Warner Brothers came in and noticed that basically Canon overshot the budget quite a bit and so warner brothers got quite mad at this and saying like you know you're supposed to stick to this thing how have you gone over and canon are actually quite famous for doing movies at a lower budget canon tried to blame stallone for a lot of the issues with the budget because of all the ridiculous action scenes and the explosions and the moving around etc so um warner brothers were looking at it and since they didn't want to piss off stallone so they say, like, this is just a Warner Brothers movie. It's not a canon film. It's a Warner Brothers movie, even though it is pretty much a canon group film with Stallone. Um, they just, uh, you know, they, 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 the, the producers are still there, but they basically said, if you don't say it's a canon movie, 
it will sell better and make it look like an actual film. Yeah, because it kind of canon movies had a bit of a bad rep, didn't they? In terms of like they, the people associated them with like cheap kind of movies, cheap mm. kind of straight to video kind of movies. Uh, you know, it was like I said, it was a co-production between Canon Films Group and Warner Brothers. Canon were known for things such as Chuck Norris, Charles Bronson, all this kind of stuff, right? When he was able to talk, basically, Canon were able to actually, uh, the producers at the time were able to talk to Stallone, doing a two-picture deal. Okay, one was Cobra. Hmm. Do you know? Do you want to know what the other movie was? Which is definitely another one for the list. I don't know. Over the top. Oh yes. The arm wrestling movie. So Stallone made an agreement with these producers to make two movies with Canon, but they couldn't afford Stallone's massive budget, you know, massive fee. So it says, well, if Warner Brothers co-produces this, then we can have we both win. Yeah, basically. The the, the even though it was even though Cobra was a big success, uh, Warner Brothers kind of flew in under the deal and said, actually. We could probably do better if we don't put your name on it, yeah. because we could get more money out of this. So we're not going to really, we're not going to put your logo in there. We'll only put some of the producers in there. That's about it, buddy. Mm-mm. Yeah, I can actually understand why they did that. It's, a, it's still a bit of a dick move. Oh, though. definitely. But that's what studios are like, aren't they? Yeah, and I also think that Stallone kind of realized what he signed himself up for. And he said, like, <laughs> you know, he did Cobra. He's like, shit, we've done, I've done Cobra. I got one more, I've agreed on one more movie with him. And it's just like, fuck, fine. Over the top it is. It's uh, ridiculous. We finally get to the final scene of the movie. Right. Yeah. The final scene in the film is actually pretty fucking epic. So the, the, um, the Crooked Cop calls the Night Slasher and says, um, they're over here, basically. I love the bit. I love the bit, basically, when um, when Cobra, like, it's raining outside, it's nighttime, and Cobra kind of goes out and sees, like, the cop, uh, like, who's making a phone call in the public booth kind of thing, and so, like, it's like, making a phone call. And it's just, uh, it's like, yeah, it's just, you know, I'm just, just checking up at the station, see how everyone's doing. And stuff like that. It's just like a, you know, call from your room. It's just, <laughs> and it's just saying like, oh no, the phone's broken. It's such an obvious, like, obvious thing. And then he goes, and he goes like, sure, okay. And then you can have a looks in there. You can see like, oh, you're suspicious. And then finally, when it's finally revealed, I love the the uh, the lines between Gonzalez and Stallone at this point when it reveals that the copper is a double crosser. I never trusted that bitch, isn't it? <laughs> it's like me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And then it goes bananas. So all the cultists finally arrive, the Night Slasher, everyone's finally here. And they just wailingly shoot the place. The entire cabin's got fucking holes in it everywhere. Everything is destroyed and becomes fucking like Swiss cheese. Yeah, it is is spectacular. Well, I love the fact where he's growing grenades. He shoots a guy who I think he's like on a on a motorcycle, I think it is, and perfect aim 
throws his grenade and just explodes. Yeah, I think actually when I was when I was thinking about it, when I was watching this scene, he doesn't like really use the grenades at the right time because there's there's bits earlier on where he's up against loads of people, and surely a grenade you would use in a where, in there's a group where there's a group so that you can take out a few in, with one thing. But he, he use I remember him specific, specifically using a grenade just to take out one guy at one particular moment. It's like I'll just use this grenade on this one guy and I have to get it pinpoint accurate cobra doesn't think no cobra isn't a man he's an empty hulk so he kills off pretty much nearly all the cultists other than like a few people and bridget nielsen then runs into this this factory that just happens to be there yeah just because it's a good setting (laughs) he finds a security guard in the uh in the factory and she's banging on the glass door kind of thing, like on the glass window yeah. thing. It's going like, help me, help me. And the guy's going like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? Go around here. He gets fucking shot. There's loads of innocent people that get wasted. For some, for some reason in this movie, it's hilarious. It shouldn't be funny, but... It's tragic. It's so funny and tragic. And, you know, there's being chased around and everything else. And, and you know, there's confrontations with everybody in until it gets to Brian Thompson having the big speech and the confrontation with that saying, pig! pig. Yeah, I've, I've got that. Should we play that? That's bleed, pig! Where are you, pig? Pig. I want your eyes, pig! I want them. I want them. I want a pig. Huh? Huh, pig? Do you want to go to hell with me? Doesn't matter, does it? We are the hunters. We kill the weak, so the strong survive. You can't stop the new world. Your filthy society will never get rid of people like us. I am so angry. We are the future. No. (laughs) You're history. Yeah. That's Your a good history. Line, yeah. I'm not gonna lie, that's a fantastic line. That is absolutely an amazing line. But then they have a bit of a fight, don't they? And then it's like uh he, he basically mm. is like saying, uh, you can't kill me. You've got yeah. to take me in. And it's he says he says this, like if you have to take me in. If you can. Even I have rights, don't I? Take me in. They'll say I'm insane. Won't they? The court is civilized, isn't it? Prick. But I'm not. This is where the law stops. And I start. (laughs) I love the end. He says he should... You should finish it there, but he adds it adds on sucker at the end. <laughs> but here's the thing, right? Again, um, it, this is actually quite interesting. Actually, you know, the whole thing is like you can't kill me. Murders against the law. No offense, buddy, but um, he has killed a lot of people. I don't think he cares anymore. Cobra has killed more people than you have. <laughs> totally oblivious. He doesn't know what he's dealing with, does he? He doesn't know that the Cobra doesn't care about that kind of thing. He's killed everyone he's come across. 
you kind of think he's seeing how he has slaughtered pretty much everyone in this cult that the, the whole thing is like this is murder it's like it's not gonna fly for it did you also read that um there was an alternative ending where the leader mm-hmm. of the cult was the that was it that monty guy this guy yeah. I, I got a clip of him Excuse me, gentlemen, but I gotta say what I think. And I think this whole sorry ordeal is like some damn sick joke, if you ask me. Yes, you money. Well, that's just too bad, isn't it? Come on, let's face it. He doesn't give a rat's ass for this girl. She's just another piece of live bait, so King Cabretti here can cut a new notch. You've already yeah. caused a lot of people to die. How about letting her live? <laughs> so that's one of his biggest speeches. That guy was going to be the original cult leader in one of the drafts. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. I, I, I'm pretty sure it was him. That would have been an interesting uh, development in the story because I don't know about you, but Brian Thompson's character doesn't seem like the leader he seems like a lackey yeah that so yeah that would have been a completely interesting turn of events now the fight scene at the end is kind of brilliant uh because it's them just kind of doing this whole like he's just going around that's trying he's trying to stab him he's trying to punch him and then out of fucking nowhere just puts him on a giant fuck off hook (laughs) apparently the violent in the more violent version you, yeah. you you saw it like close up, like the hook going through him and stuff like that. <laughs> that was awesome. And then and then Cobra just fucking just pushes him into a fire, and that's how it ends. Just watches him burn. It's a perfect ending because yeah, the bad guy's a dick, but it's almost like saying Cobra's going yeah, Well, I'm a bigger dick, and so just fucking just I'm just gonna burn you. And he does this with so many other people. Like people catch fire, get shot multiple times. So much hilarious death. Yeah, and then obviously then like uh, Stallone and Bridget Nielsen are kind of reunited. And like you kind of, you're supposed to, uh, the reason why I wanted to talk about them again is because I forgot to play a clip that's hilarious. Is, you know, their like love theme. Yes! (laughs) It's like this. There you are. (laughs) So cheesy. Was this the one that's playing in the cafe? It's just any 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 love kind of bits between those two. And there's one bit he's playing. I think he's playing the song in the cafe. And at one point, he just fucking just kicks the jukebox, and this song pops up. It's fantastic. It is, yeah. But just listen to this sample because it's hilarious what I've done with it. Yeah. just like that i had to end it that way because that's enough of that is the most cheesiest thing you can't like just fade that out you need to kind of rip the needle off the music in this movie in general is the most 80s cheese you've ever seen i love it it's just all like stallone's taste of music at the time isn't it and probably i, I imagine him still having that taste of music now <laughs> And then basically the movie sort of ends with the coppers sort of agreeing on it. I love the bit where basically it says like, you know, if you ever want to retire and get yourself like, you want to get a promotion and get out like a more cushier job, just ask us, you know. And it says like, well, well, you can replace my car. And And there's one line in the movie that I think sums up the entirety of the film. It's like, it's not in the budget. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And they... Yeah, in the budget, mate. 
they ride off into the sunset pretty much on the motorcycle, uh, Stallone and uh, Bridget Nielsen, to yeah. a bit of this. Again, so cheesy. It sounds like Dire Straits or something, but it's, um, it's actually John Cafferty, voice of American's sons. America's son. That's the track. How much more patriotic do you have to be? Oh, man. But that was... It, it rides off into the sunset. So you have Ingrid and Marion driving off into the sunset with his, uh, with with everyone else. You know, everyone gets to come up and is all tied up in a beautiful bow. The end. Yeah. Fan-fucking-tastic. What a trip. Okay, so we find, we've gone through this car wreck of a movie, so let us talk about this by using the Trashometer. Trashometer. Okay, so if this is the first time you're listening, we grade all these movies by using the Trashometer. We have five stages. Tame, which means that it was predominantly boring with nothing really sort of fun or anything. Tiny bit trashy, where we're having a bit of fun with it, and it seems to be like a decentish film, but it's not really trashy enough. Trash, which is the sweet spot. Mwah, fantastic. Too trashy is when it's starting to get frustrating. Things are starting to get pushed to the edge, a little over the top, and then you've got Torture, a movie that is so goddamn terrible that is almost anger-inducing. Yeah. So... Where do we put Sylvester Stallone's gigantic ego trip that is Cobra on the trashometer? Um, for me, I think it's going into the like the too trashy kind of mark. Do you? Okay. Um, I think actually, I think I think it's starting to fall a little bit into too trashy. I think it's because. I, I, I still had a whale of a time with this movie. The, some of the bits that really stood out were fantastic, like the car chase and the uh, and and all the action sequences are just a really kind of wonderful over the schlock, uh, over the top schlock that you just need to watch sometimes if you're a fan of '80s movies. But I argue that if you know '80s movies. There's two, there's two camps you can be in. You'd even find everything so tropey that it just becomes annoying, which is where I think we kind of got to at some point. Or you just completely embrace it, which is why I think it's falling a little bit into uh, into too trashy, just a bit. I think most... It's, it's kind of known as a cult classic now, and I think most mm. people lo- really like the fact that, the, that those tropey things are in there and find that entertaining. Yeah. So I think mm. most people would kind of see that as a positive... And yeah. I, but I kind of, it, but it, you can't deny that it's too trashy. It's, it, yeah. There's too many things in it that make it trashy. So it has to be too trashy. I agree. Um, I, think there's, I think there's so much going on there. And also the fact that you can almost, after doing research in this movie and then watching Cobra, sitting there being like, this stinks of a Sylvester Stallone ego trip. It stinks of it. Like it reeks. And it is hilarious to watch, but you can see it's just one man's annoying vision and no one having the balls to stop him. Yeah, definitely. So I think, yeah, I think we agree. I think it's on the lower end of too trashy, though. I don't think it's... It, 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 I never felt angry watching the movie, but I can definitely smell the stench. So I can't remember... Without seeing the visual, I can't remember whether too trashy... Is too trashy kind of like around 70%, something like that? I think, I think it's around somewhere between the 60 to... I think it's somewhere around the 60 to 80% mark, isn't it? 
Yeah. So where do you think do you think it lies around about sort of sixty five percent or something? Yeah. I think about the sixty five percent mark. I think it's just a tiny bit over trash. It's a bit too trashy for me. Yeah, definitely. There we go. There 65 percent. The movie is a fun ride. I definitely enjoyed myself. That's a thing. But it definitely is a lot going on, and I had a whale of a time. Yeah, I, I when I watch this movie. I always enjoy it every single time. I just I think it's a really entertaining movie and it's even that even with its flaws I kind of just embrace them and just kind of go with it. And if and and this I think it's a fantastic case study of one actor's hubris, one actor's ego taking full control and no one trying to stop him. Yeah. So yeah, uh, we're going to wrap up for today. Um, but before we sort of do that, just want to say, if this is the first time you are listening to the show, thank you very much. Um, remember to like, share, sort of subscribe to it on all the podcast stuff and checking out all the video stuff we have, uh, which you can find on YouTube. So if you go to Enigmatic Productions, you can go to the Trash Tapes YouTube website. And if you're into gaming, we also do Enigmatic Play. So check that out as well on YouTube. And we are really are trying our best to get content out still despite the weird situation yeah thankfully with things like uh you know like uh skype and whatnot we can kind of do this kind of situation and still get content out pretty easily like it doesn't work for everything i mean it works fine for podcasts mm. but for like obviously and in, in we can do the gaming stuff via streaming but yeah. some of the more traditional videos where you know like reaction videos thankfully we've got a bit of a backlog we can work through but we mm. can't do that type of video at the moment, so we just have to put out what we've got. Yeah, it, and the thing is, it actually give us some comments about what you thought about this episode in terms of how it's how it's structured and everything else, because this is the first time we've done it this way. And if it turns out doing all right, we might be able to do maybe at least instead of doing once a month, it might be once every two weeks, maybe one time once the pandemic kind of calms down. Maybe I come over to yours for one for for one session, and then two weeks later we do another one just from our, the comfort of our own homes, and we could make more content for you. Yeah, and we have talked about um, doing setting up like a, a trash tapes Twitch so that we can do perhaps because because the live stream has gone well with the gaming, we could do some some of our trashometers um, like live perhaps and get some like uh, you know get some uh, some of the audience kind of chipping in on what they think about this movie and stuff. Oh, that yeah. would be great if we can get uh, like audience interaction of saying like we give you like a heads up and saying oh we're about to, uh, we're going to do a review next week of this movie. If you guys want to join us on the stream, join us on the stream, watch the film, give us your reactions and your opinions on it. We'll read it out loud on the air, and that will be a great new sort of approach. I can't wait for that. I'll be exciting. Yeah, because I mean, I, I don't think a podcast would work on a live stream. Because it's it's very much just people watching live. It's not really interacting. Interacting, but like the trashometer, we basically just where we're kind of rating the movie and talking about little points, you know, bullet points in the movie. So that's a fine situation for people to chip in and talk about what they liked about or didn't like about it. Uh, any kind of interaction, whether it's reviews, comments, uh, sharing, just anything, just drop us a line and we will we'll do our best to do that. So. But one thing, obviously, I'm working on as well. I forgot to mention, I'm working on a, I'm working on promos for the channel. So mm. like a little sort of like two minute kind of video, which is basically like a trailer for yeah. each channel, and that can sit on the channel page itself for like so non-subscribers can see that 
to entice mm. them in to subscribe. So we haven't really got one of that. We haven't really got anything up to date for that because yeah. the trouble is we remove the title sequences from our shows because it kind of makes them too long. So what we need mm. is basically like a title sequence promo kind of thing as just yeah. a little video on the channel so people watch that and see what it's all about. Brilliant. I think I'll, I'll be quite excited to see how those turn out. Mm. So yeah, we'll wrap up from there. Thank you guys very much for paying attention and listening to us ramble about Cobra. We have a couple episodes in, in the pipeline, which I think are going to be some corkers. With some, there might be a few little extra bits of Bob, so tune in for that. But other than that, then, I'd like you all to keep an eye on your trash. There might be some treasure in there. See you guys next time. I'll see you soon, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode and hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please share it around with movie lovers you know, maybe add a star rating or write a good review. All of this helps with the algorithm and provides us with more opportunities to reach the ears to a whole new bunch of bad film fanatics. Want to find out more about us? Then head over to our socials where we provide sneak peeks and up-to-date news on everything nostalgic and trashy. You can find our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages in the description. So please, follow us. See you next time, cinephiles.